<clears throat> all right, all right. Okay, okay. What's up, everybody? It's LJ Talks. Facts right here. Christmas facts. Like always, of course. Hope you guys are having a great Thursday afternoon. I am inside right now doing my AEW Dynamite review because it is, you know, pretty crappy outside today with the weather, just the rain. I feel like getting drenched out there. If it, you know, starts to rain again, it looks like it's stopped, but it's been on and off all day, so I'm good, to be honest. <laughs> but I hope you guys are doing great here today. Um, like I said, tomorrow we'll be talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or say my Dallas Cowboys taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, tonight we'll review that game. Tomorrow I'll give my thoughts. Hopefully the Cowboys start the season strong and get the win. We're four hours away from from football season again. And hopefully the Dallas Cowboys win. Hopefully they do. Hopefully we start the season strong. And, of course, on Saturday I'm going to review AEW Rampage. It looks like a good episode, and we'll get to that later on at the end. But all right, here we go. The Fallout show right here, AEW Dynamite, the Fallout from All Out. And I got to say, what a great show this was. And AEW drew 1.3 million viewers. That's the second highest they've ever they've ever drawn. The first highest is 1.4. So they got pretty close. 1.3 is really good right there. So the ratings are going up now. And of course they had to go up, you know, of course they're going to go up with Adam Cole. You know, debuting all out and same for Brian Danielson, Ruby Soho as well. We knew the ratings were gonna go up. But now it's three straight weeks, they've hit a million, so it's great. You know, you love to see it. You really do. You know, hopefully they keep the stretch going. They should hit a million next week, and obviously when they're at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, that should easily be a million right there, definitely more. You know, will they ever hit two million? Maybe by the end of the year they will. Maybe, just maybe they'll hit two million. It's kind of hard to tell right now, but the way they're going, they just keep the momentum going. Like, usually after a pay-per-view, usually, like, you know, some shows, like, you know, mostly, like, so we're so used to, like, WWE, you know, after a pay-per-view, some, you know, some shows aren't as hot after, other than if it's WrestleMania, that's always a hot show after, you know, that's always a hot Raw or SmackDown after WrestleMania, but usually after every other pay-per-view, it's kind of like whatever, but AEW just keeps the momentum going. You know, Tony Khan is putting on a great show every single time. That's what he's doing. That's my opinion right there. You could say AEW isn't good. That's your opinion right there. Not everybody's going to like AEW. That's fine. You have your opinion. And you're absolutely entitled to your opinion. But just the momentum that they're riding right now is sky high right now. It almost feels like 90s WCW or even like the Attitude Era for the WWF at the time. It's just it's... Every show is exciting. I mean, obviously they won't draw like 7 million, 8 million like they were drawing back in the days with WCW and the WWF at the time. Like, that'll never happen again. Like, the highest they can hit is like in the 2 million range because most people stream these days and watch on the app. And so it's all different in how it is. But you love to see right there. And they beat Monday Night Raw in the key demo. That's huge right there. They beat Monday Night Raw. In the key demo. That's huge right there. They didn't beat him in ratings. But they beat him in the demo. And Chris Jericho did say within six months, AEW is going to catch Monday Night Raw in the ratings. Well, with Monday Night Football coming back right now, they very much well. They very much could do it, AEW. They very much could do it. People are invested. This, you know, AEW is becoming more and more mainstream every single day. You got a lot of people talking about AEW. You got a lot of people... I haven't watched wrestling in years starting to watch AEW, and they love it. It's great. 
It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. It's a great time to be an AEW fan. It really is. But alright, so let's start off with the first match of the night. We got the natural Dustin Rhodes versus Malachi Black. And I will say this match was decent to start off Dynamite. I didn't expect anything big right here. You know, it was a decent match, you know. It was nice to see Dustin get back in the ring. We haven't seen him in the ring in a while. So it was nice to see him face off against Malachi. And again, you'll always forget how good Dustin Rhodes is. You know, a guy that was held back a whole lot during his time as Goldust. You know, that's just how I see it. I'm just telling you the facts right here. I'm not going to make it a whole shoot about the WWE and what they should have done with, you know, Dustin. I mean, could they have let him be the natural or at least something other than Goldust in the WWE and he could have actually been a serious wrestler? Absolutely they could have. I mean, towards the end of his career as Goldust... His character got a little more serious, like not as goofy, you know, he was more serious at times. They could have done a lot with him. They could have done a whole lot with him. Same with Cody, too, and it just boggles my mind how they never made Cody world champion, all the talent that he has, even though I know a lot of people don't like Cody these days because they say he buries people in AEW. I'm like, but he's he hasn't made himself world champion, which he could have done. He can't even challenge for the world title. Yeah, he was TNT champion twice. There was a reason why, you know, he became the TNT champion for a second time. Because Brody Lee was, well, at the time he was hurt. He wasn't uh, he wasn't sick at the time, Brody Lee. He was hurt. He didn't have uh, the lung problem at the time. He was hurt. I believe it was like his ankle that was hurt. So that's why they gave Cody back the title. Because Brody got hurt. If Brody wasn't hurt, then yeah, he wouldn't have dropped the title to Cody. It wouldn't have happened. But at that time... I mean, yeah, if Brody, if, if he had the lung problem at the time, because I think they figured it out like a month later, they said, like in November, but obviously he wouldn't have been wrestling then. So that's why Cody had to win, because Brody was hurt. That's why. It wasn't because, oh, Cody's back, and like, oh, he's going to steal a spot. Like, no, they weren't doing that at all. You know, it's just it's a shame though for Cody because anytime he wins on TV or anytime he beats anybody, they all say he's burying people, this and that. And it's just it's he can't win. He simply cannot win. I mean, he really screwed himself over with that stipulation right there and saying, "Oh man, I can't have a challenge for the world title now." He really screwed himself with that one. I mean, there is a loophole. There's a loophole right there. He was Cody at the time, it wasn't Cody Rhodes? He wasn't Cody Rhodes. That's a loophole right there they could find. He could put himself through, you know, a lot of challenges and do the whole thing right there. I mean, this is a guy right here. How do you say he's burying people when his whole career he was buried? He really was. I mean, come on. They gave him that stupid Stardust gimmick that really was the final shovel right there into his career. The final nail in his coffin. I mean, come on. Seriously? And you're going to say he buries people. Okay. I mean... Other people would say otherwise, like MJF and Darby Allen would say a whole lot otherwise. I'm just saying. And when Darby Allen beat him, Darby Allen became the longest reigning TNT champion. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. It is what it is, though. People are going to just say whatever they want. That's fine. But the match between Malachi and Dustin, like I said, it was decent, you know. I you know, I enjoyed it a little bit, you know, it was a little bit slow, you know. It was it was whatever to be honest. You know, if I had a re- chance to rewatch it, I wouldn't, in my opinion. I did love the mind games Malachi was playing, because 
Cody's boot was uh, underneath the ring. And that's the boot that Cody, you know, left in the ring right there when, like, he teased retirement at the homecoming show back in uh, Jacksonville last month. But then Malachi hit him with the black mask, and then we haven't heard from Cody since. So we know that Cody's still around, it seems like. We'll get to Cody later on. But Malachi tried to play, you know, mind games with Dustin. Dustin wasn't having any of it. He did want to end up hitting a beautiful Canadian destroyer on Malachi. And then Malachi already had, like, the, uh, the, um, the turnbuckle exposed. So he threw Dustin on there. His mouth was bleeding. Hit him with the black mask. Didn't really get much of it. But got the pin one, two, three, and Malachi Black stays undefeated here in AEW with a big win over Dustin Rhodes. So he's still undefeated. That's a big win right, right there. You know, it's a legend right here in Dustin Rhodes. That's nice for Malachi to get the win over him. This guy's wrestled for almost 40 years right here, so that's huge right there for Malachi. Nice win right there. Dustin was bleeding from the mouth right there from the turn from the exposed turnbuckle, so that was something. But yeah, you know, like I said, decent match. It was it was okay, in my opinion. I wouldn't rewatch if I had the chance, but it was okay. It was decent. But then we did see the Lucha Bros were backstage, you know. Talking about their match from All Out being the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. I couldn't be any more happy for the Lucha Bros. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm still in shock that they won. I really am. I'm very happy for them. You know, and then Alex Abrahantes, you know, uh, translated for Penta. Saying Penta says... You know, whoever wants a championship, whoever wants our championships, come for us. So it's like they're throwing like an open challenge to like anybody. Which I believe it's going to be Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. That's just, that's what I think the Lucha Bros are going to face first. I don't think they're going to jump into like Santana and Ortiz or FTR, you know, so on and so on. I think they'll start with, you know, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. That's just my opinion right there. That's what I feel like they're going to do. But now next segment right here, CM Punk, where he came back from. Came back from commercial. CM Punk came out and talked to the fans. Cut a very nice promo. You know, coming off his win against Darby Allen at All Out, or I should say, even before like his promo, we did see a, a package right there of uh, the TNT champion, the Redeemer Miro, and, and the Mad King Eddie Kingston. And it seems like we have unfinished business. You know, Eddie Kingston saying like basically saying Miro took the coward way out. You know, by low blowing him. So we, we already know there's unfinished business right here. So maybe Eddie gets his rematch at the Grand Slam show, and that's where he wins. You know, it's like, but then you think of Miro's reign, like, only lasts, like, four months. Like, especially how red hot he is. I mean, he can get, like, nuclear, he can get nuclear heat if he beats Eddie Kingston at, Grand, at the Grand Slam show. It's Eddie Kingston's hometown. So that would be something. Should make it a New York street fight. That's what they should do. It should be a street fight. That's how it should be. It would be nice. But now we get to the CM Punk segment. He came out, and like I said, coming off his win from Darby Allen all out. You know, seven years being out of the ring. You know, believe me, I had my doubts about CM Punk going back inside the ring, you know. But he handled it very well. He's kept himself in great shape these last seven years. He's in great shape. Like, he's always been probably the best shape in his life, I would have to say. He looks great. Did great against Darby Allen. It was a huge test for him. I'm sure he's feeling mighty confident right now, and as he should right there, because he proved a lot of people wrong, including myself. Even though I didn't, I didn't think CM Punk was going to do horrible. I tell my doubts like, okay, he's been on the ring for seven years. That's the same thing I had about Christian Cage. Christian Cage has been amazing ever since coming back inside, coming back inside the ring. He's been great. You know, he hasn't had like one bad match yet here in AEW, but. You know, CM Punk, like I said, he got a text from, uh, before he got the text, you know, he did 
praise uh, Aunt Linda Pillman right there was at ringside, so that was beautiful and that was nice. Right there, the lady that raised Brian Pillman Jr. We'll talk more about Brian Pillman Jr. later on because God, we do got a lot to say right there. And then, but then CM Punk said he got a text, you know, from his wife April. You know, for those who don't know who that is, that's AJ Lee. And she texted CM Punk saying, what's next? And CM Punk's like, I don't even know what's next. And he was asking the fans, like, what they think is next. Like, who should CM Punk face next? Some fans are chanting John Moxley because, you know, they were in Cincinnati last night, so that makes sense. You know, then Taz grabbed the microphone because Taz was on uh, commentary for the show last night because Excalibur's getting married. So he was away, so... Best wishes just go out to him. And congratulations on getting married. He's getting married in a few days, like they said on commentary. So that's nice. Congratulations. So we'll see. I'm sure Taz will be there probably next week, too. It's probably Excalibur. Might take the next couple weeks off. Um, so Taz grabbed the mic, interrupting CM Punk. And CM Punk's like, are you really interrupting me right now? You know, and CM Punk said, I'll let you talk, but don't ever interrupt me again. And Taz is like, like I'm trying to be a, a gentleman, but now you want to be a tough guy. You know, like Taz saying he's tired, like this whole bullshit you know love fest for cm punk and everything and he was saying like don't ever like mention anyone from team taz ever and cm punk was saying like nobody said you know team taz but then taz was like yes you did you know interviews on the radio even back on twitter right there you gave a list like who you want to wrestle on ricky starks and powerhouse hobbs were on that list so cm punk has mentioned you know wrestling people from uh, Team Taz And then CM Punk said Send Ricky Starks Send Hook And send Hobbs So that I guess what's next for CM Punk He's going to feud with Team Taz Alright I'm fine with that right here It's kind of like Christian Cage Like after Christian Cage's first match In AEW He feuded with uh, Team Taz for a little bit But the, then Ricky Starks got hurt So they couldn't do it I think that's what they were going to do They were going to do Christian Cage Versus Ricky Starks is like the big match right there, but Ricky Starks got hurt. We didn't see him for three months. He was out of the ring for three months after that. Um, but yeah, I think we might see Hook's first match here in AEW. That's against CM Punk. That is huge right there. That's big for his career. Because Hook's got the look. He hasn't been in the ring just yet. He hasn't had his first match yet. But we'll see how he does when he gets inside the ring. So I'm looking forward to this feud. This is big for a lot of the young wrestlers right here. It's huge for Ricky Starks. It's huge for Hook and it's huge for Hobbs. It really is. But then you got these idiots complaining like, oh, CM Punk's going to bury Team Taz. I'm like, you're the same people that wanted... You're the same people that begged CM Punk to come back to wrestling. And now you're going to say he's going to bury people. Like, would you stop? There's a difference between being buried and just taking a loss. Like, Darby Allen is not buried from losing at All Out. Darby Allen's not been buried his whole AEW career. Yeah, there's some matches he should have won. Should he have lost to Cody a couple times? No, but he wound up beating Cody last year at full gear for the TNT title. So that was big right there. And Darby Allen, he didn't win his first match in AEW. His first match was against Cody Rhodes, and he lost. Actually, no, it didn't. It was the match ended in, actually, no, match ended in, um, it was it ended in a draw. It was a 20-minute time, but it ended in a draw. So he didn't lose. Didn't win or lose. So let me take that back. So, I mean, things take time and everything. Like, oh, my God. So if CM Punk faces Team Taz and he beats all of them, they're not buried. They're, they're simply not. Christian Cage beat Powerhouse Hobbs. Is Powerhouse Hobbs buried? Powerhouse Hobbs is the number two ranked men's wrestler 
uh, singles men wrestler here in AEW. So he's not buried. There's rumors of him working a program with Miro for the TNT title. That might happen. I'd be perfectly fine with that right there. So we'll see what happens next now for CM Punk. That's look like, that looks like what they're going to go with right now. So let's, let's see how they do going forward. But speaking of Powerhouse Hobbs, we get to the match right here between... Actually, no, well, before that, before we get to the match, we saw Ruby Soho backstage with Tony Schiavone, and then in came the AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD with Rebel, and Jamie Hayter, because we know Ruby Soho is going to take on Jamie Hayter in the first singles match here in AEW. You know, and Ruby was talking about like how she got Britt Baker into the business, and Britt Baker was saying to her, I'm going to put you back... Like, why don't you go back to catering like you've been for the last four years? Like, and the crowd was like, whoa. Like, that was something right there. And even Britt Baker, and even um, Ruby Soul said about Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone, I know that's your girl, but I'm going to whoop her ass. So I'm like, all right. But now we get to the match here between Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Dante Martin. Dante Martin's been on a nice win streak as well. So, you know, and Dante Martin really made a name for himself when uh, him and... The Seidel brothers took on Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks back on Dynamite last month. That's where he really made a statement there. And him and Powerhouse, they put on a good match right. Like, Powerhouse Hobbs was destroying him from the start. He was throwing around like it was nothing. Just throwing around like it was nothing right there. You know, these are two young wrestlers right here. They're still pretty green in their own way. You know, Powerhouse Hobbs getting more on national television. Same for Dante Martin as well. You know, they're going to have some, you know hurdles to jump over. It's going to take, you know, a while for them, you know. Match, it wasn't sloppy is what I'm saying. Like, they they were kind of slow with their spots at times, you know. Like, these are two young guys that are, you know, on national television, you know, recently. Because Powerhouse Hobbs hasn't wrestled that much on national television. He's had, a, you know, a few matches. He's not completely experienced, and neither is Dante. So, they're going to be just fine, though. They're going to be just fine. The spot I really love this match when Dante was gonna fly on Powerhouse and Hook right there was on, was on uh, was on top right there, you know, blocking Dante from doing it, and then Dante wound up doing it. Hook had to get out of the way, and Dante flew right on the Powerhouse, perfect. Tope Suicida got him back in the ring, did all he could right there. It looked like uh, Powerhouse had his bell rung right there by Dante from one of those kicks right there, because you could tell he was a little bit wobbly. But Dante was coming right at him, and Powerhouse Hobbs picked him up. Beautiful spine buster. Got the pin, one, two, three. Powerhouse Hobbs gets the W. He got a big win over Brian Cage last week, even though it was a BS way to win. This one was not a BS win right here at all. He got Dante clean in the ring, beat him clean, beat him clean in the ring. Hook tried to get involved, but he didn't. So it was a clean win for Powerhouse. A nice win as well. And now we move on right here. Let's see how like Powerhouse does the rest of the way. Powerhouse Hobbs continues to impress me. He's great. He really is. So then we did see Dan Lambert in the crowd. He was up up there in one of the one of the boxes it looked like, and he was with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, and just cutting. You know, promo has been cutting the last you know few times he's been on TV, basically saying AEW sucks and everything, and Tony Khan hiring these five nine, you know, midget wrestlers basically, and. You know, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page are real men. You know, and whoever wants to come up here and stop us, do it sooner rather than later. It's 
until we can burn this company to the ground so I don't have to hear those, you know, godforsaken AEW chants. That's the only way to get the people chanting AEW. So that's great right there. And I love Dan Lambert. He's great. And I feel like it's going to be Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page to face the Lucha Bros pretty soon. That'll be the Lucha Bros' first challenge for the AEW World Tag Team titles. I don't think it'll be on pay-per-view. I believe it'll be on Dynamite. So maybe the Grand Slam show. That's fine by me. So we'll see when that happens. We'll see when it does happen. I'm not too sure. But now we get to the next segment right here. And I could say I'm sure it made a lot of people pretty uncomfortable. Because even myself during this segment, it was just, whoa. But it shows you how great of a heel MJF is. Because now we hear from MJF. We didn't see Chris Jericho on this show. I don't know if he was torn with Fozzie. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But hopefully he was on Rampage. Because I know they, I, I believe they tape Rampage. But I'll be watching tomorrow. I didn't look at the results at all. So I'll be watching uh, tomorrow night and reviewing that on Saturday. Um, so MJF came out with Wardlow. And of course he was pissed off. You know, because AEW, like, you know, he's basically saying AEW's biased against him. Because he beat Chris Jericho clean in the ring. Well, he really didn't. Because at the two count, Jericho put his foot on the rope and yeah Aubrey Edwards didn't see it at first but she counted three and the bell rung and MJF won at first but then the other referee was there saying Jericho's foot was on the rope so MJF really didn't win at all when you think of it he didn't but then he did wind up tapping out so then he lost he really did lose right there Chris Jericho thank God he's going to continue to wrestle but MJF even after coming off a bad loss he really bounces back because he was, you know, destroying the, the city of Cincinnati, calling the mid. Oh, my God. Saying, like, the Chili's mid. The Cincinnati Reds, who haven't won a World Series in 1990, are mid. But he should have really said something about the Bengals. He should have said something there, like, about the Bengals. Not about the Reds. Because the Reds, I mean, the Reds are most likely a playoff team this year. I mean, if he's even checked the standings. And then Taz would say, oh, yeah, the Reds suck. I'm like, Taz, aren't you a Mets fan? Uh, you shouldn't be talking, Taz. I mean... If there's, a ch- if there's a chance... I mean, I know he's being a heel, but I'm just saying. I hope he's not... I mean, if he, like, legit said the Mets are better than the Reds, he's just lying to himself because... Like, if he legit said that because the Reds have a better chance of winning the World Series than the Mets in the next, like, years to come. The Reds have a good team. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. It'll have to be the wild card unless the Brewers completely fall off a cliff and the Reds somehow win that division, but... I'm just saying. You know, he could have said something about the Bengals because the Bengals haven't been to the playoffs in the last few years... And they can't get out of the wild card round when they have gotten to the playoffs. So you could say something there, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> like I said, we're in the Midwest, so it is very mid. You know, he's called it shit. They call it shit Cincinnati. And this is where it got a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, this one was this was bad though. It was. Talking about Ann Linda, like how he's gonna knock her teeth down her throat. She kept on looking at him, and I was like, "Okay, all right, all right, MJF." And then he said something right there about Brian Pillman's daughter, Brian Pillman Senior's daughter, sixteen and pregnant, and called her prego. And then, so I, and then you know she grabbed the mic right there because MJF went outside to the ring. Right? I mean, it went outside of the ring, and they were in the front row. And she, was, and she was saying, you know, I'm Brian Pillman's daughter. And then MJF said, well, it looks like we know where you get your vile looks from. And I was like, whoa, okay. I mean, that was, I mean, okay, that was, you know, it was bad, but it wasn't like, ugh. The next thing he says was, you know, ugh. And that's when Brian Pillman Jr. comes out. 
in a Bengals jersey, in a Brian Pillman uh, Bengals jersey. So that was really cool. He got a nice pop from the crowd saying Cincinnati, you know, breeds badasses like his father, like John Moxley, and like himself. And then MJF said, you want to go, you thought it was smart to go toe-to-toe me on the microphone? Oh, this one's a bad one, though, they said. Oh, my God. He said something about, like, your, he said about your drug addict mother, Methany, and I was like, whoa. Anyway, so I'm gonna say melody. I'm gonna say melody. I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm sure Brian Pullman Jr. had to agree for MJF to say that. I mean, of course he had to. I would hope. Well, I, okay, MJF's not like okay. I'm, you, you know that they had to agree to that. I was just like, whoa. Everybody else in the crowd was just like, oh my god. And I'm sure everybody at home, including myself, I was just like, whoa, MJF. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay there, like, hold on a second. And he was saying that, you know, his mother should have swallowed him. And I was like, Jesus. But, like, basically saying, like, that she slept, like, with 500 wrestling prospects or whatever. And saying, you know, with you, you know, she should have swallowed you. And I was like, whoa. And then Wardlow was in Pillman Jr.'s face. And MJ was like, oh, what are you, you going to help me out water like, water like you did on Sunday? Why don't you go stay in the corner and look pretty? I was like, Phew, okay, so now we're going to get a Wardlow MJF program pretty soon, which I'm looking forward to. And then MJF was saying, you know, I'm going to do to you what your mother should have done to you 28 years ago. And that was abort. He didn't say, he didn't say the whole thing. He said abort. He was going to say abort you. And then Brian Pointer took him down. He was beating him up and beating him up. And then Wardlow got involved, took down Pillman. And here came Griff Garrison. He got taken out right away. And then MJF knocked him out with the ring. And that was it right there. I was just like, that was true nuclear heat for, M- for MJF. Doing that in Pillman's hometown. The things that he said. I mean, Jesus. Like, oh my goodness. That one was really bad. We didn't see Pillman Jr.'s mother there at ringside. I mean, I do truly hope that she is doing okay because we know that had we, we do know that she has went through a whole lot. So hopefully she is doing okay. I mean, if she was watching that at home, whew, I mean that was, oh man, that was a bad one. Oh my goodness, it really was. But MJF, that's the kind of character he is right there, and that's what people have wanted for so many years, including myself. You know, more edgy wrestling right here. And that's exactly what we're getting. So you tip your cap to MJF and say, that's a true heel right there. You're supposed to hate him. You're not supposed to like him. And see, I hate the comparisons. Like, he gets compared to the Miz. He gets called, like, a Walmart version of Miz. I'm like, what? They're not even the same character. Yeah, Miz is a loudmouth. But his, like, it's a whole different thing with him. They're two different guys. Like, Miz wasn't on the independent scene. He came from MTV and got trained by the WWE. And that's... They're two different things. They're two different guys. Like, MJF has come from the independent scene. They're two different people. And MJF's a better wrestler. I'm just saying. The Miz knows how to piss people off, like, in you know, just inside the ring. You know, when it comes to outside the ring, MJF really lives up to his character. 
He doesn't break kayfabe. I'm just saying. They're two different people. Miz, you know, I gotta admit, he's very, very talented. Everything that he's went through, you know, he got hazed by a lot of guys, especially Chris Benoit, you know, when he accidentally, you know, spilled chicken on Benoit's bag and his gear, and he got kicked out of the locker room for months, and he had to change outside or change in the bathroom, or outside, I believe he was changing too. Like, he went through a whole lot. But they're two different guys. You can't compare the two. They're very different inside the ring. You know what I mean? It's just, it's very different. They're very, very different. So that's all I'm trying to say right there. But that was something. That was something right there. But now we get to the next match right here between Jamie Hayter and Ruby Soho. So it was Ruby Soho's first match here on Dynamite. And to be honest, you know, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was great. I seriously thought they put on a great match. You know, and Ruby Soho is very talented. She was misused. She absolutely was, you know. Should have won the, the women's tag team titles with Liv Morgan, which would have been very nice. But nothing could do about it right there. That's over with, you know. It's just a shame. It really is. It seriously is a shame. But, you know, she's here to shine here in AEW. We don't know when her and Britt Baker are going to face off for the AEW women's world title, you know. I hope they don't rush it, kind of like they did with, like, Kenny and Jungle Boy, you know, like, they, you know, that match could have been, like, they could have done, like, one of the four events right there that they did, like, you know, Road Rager or, um, Fighter, either one of the Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen, they could have done it there, maybe before Fight for the Fallen, but, um, maybe at the Grand Slam show it's gonna happen, you know, most likely, you know, Ruby, I don't think is gonna win, or even if, it, if they do wait till full gear, which is in November, if they want to build it up for two months, which is fine. You want Ruby to keep on getting her wins and everything, you know. Because if she wrestles, uh, you know, it's like she only wrestles a couple matches before she wrestles Baker, you know. They, they might want to work like a program right there for a while, like for a couple months. So we'll see what they do. But even if they were to wrestle on pay-per-view, I don't think Ruby's winning. It would be nice, it'd be very unexpected, but I don't see it. I still see it as Thunder Rose is going to win the women's title um, the next time her and Baker face off, which is going to be probably next year at Revolution. That's just when I see it. And I do, like I said, like I've been saying the last couple episodes, they're going to add in another women's title. They'll probably add like a Rampage women's title so it gives more women, you know, more opportunities. So like Ruby can win that. That would be nice. That would be good for her. You know, but we'll see what happens though. But her and Jamie put on a very good match. You know, I enjoyed it. And like I said, Ruby's very talented. You know, like I said, she was a misused talent. She really was because she's a talented wrestler. She was talented at NXT. She was talented on the main roster. She absolutely was. And she still is. Love her theme song, by the way. It's really cool. You know, I love her character so far here in AEW. You know, but her and Jamie put on a nice back-and-forth match. Jamie Hayter's very underrated. You know, I like her. You know, seeing her, you know, back in the ring here in AEW, she's done pretty good. You know, I think she's also future, you know, women's champion, whether it's winning the AEW Women's, you know, World Championship or if they add in a Rampage Championship, which I believe they will do pretty soon. You know, she's good. She really is good, Jamie Hayter. I like her. She's very entertaining, good wrestler, and she's good. She really is. 
I feel like she'll turn on Baker, though, in the future, and they'll work a program there. That would be really nice to see. We'll see how that goes. They're obviously, they're not going to rush it. You know, give it time, it'll happen. But, um... But, yeah, Ruby... Love the finisher Ruby has right there. Always have. She hit that finisher on Jamie. Pinned her one, two, three. Got the win. So Ruby Soho in her first uh, singles match here in AEW got the win. I mean, and people are saying, you know, like, oh, why are they going to job out Jamie? Because why would you job out Ruby? Why would she lose in her first ever singles match? That would make no sense. Then she would look so weak going into face Britt Baker. Why would they do that? That makes no sense. Okay, you could say it's Hater's first loss since coming back. It doesn't hurt Hater at all. Would you rather Ruby face Rebel? No respect to Rebel. She's a great character, but in the ring, she's not that good. She's not. She's injured herself a couple times in the ring, so she's not that good in the ring. Just my opinion. Great character. Very good heelish character. Just not good in the ring. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's my opinion right there. It's not a fact. It's an opinion. That's how I feel about her. So, like, oh my god. <laughs> but good match, though. I liked it. You know, Britt Baker and Rebel attacked. Ruby after the match, then Riho got involved. She came out. And then she got attacked. And then Chris Stylin came out with a chair, and they all ran off. So that was that was pretty interesting right there. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty interesting. So we'll see what that leads to now. And we did see uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks package. So that was pretty good. You know, Brian Cage wants a match with Ricky Starks and wants to be mano-mano, one-on-one. You know, Ricky thought that Brian would have gotten this to his head already after he knocked him out with the champion, the FTW Championship last week where Kyle Townsend got the win over Cage. Uh, I guess Cage doesn't really care right now. I guess he just wants to, you know, he wants that rematch with Starks. If he deserves the rematch, yeah. Well, because he, you know, we'll see what happens, though. But now we get to the next match right here. Six-man tag team match, trios match between the Pinnacle, Sean Spears, and FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler versus the Dark Order, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and John Silver. And I gotta admit, entertaining trios match. It was kind of unexpected, but they announced it yesterday. I was like, oh, okay, this should be interesting right here. And people were saying FTR is gonna leave AEW, they're retiring. I mean, they ain't going anywhere. I thought Cash Wheeler was going to go away for a time to, you know, recover. But no, I guess not. I guess Cash Wheel is doing a lot better now, which is great. And like I said, I enjoy the six-man tag right here. I keep calling six-man tags trios, but, you know, I'm so used to saying six-man tag. But no, I thought it was a good match. I really enjoyed it. It was very fun to watch. I've seen the Dark Order back on TV wrestling. And, you know, we did see, like, Anna Jay was backstage with them early on when Marvez was interviewing them. And Angie was saying, you know, we got to start acting like a family right here again. So that's why I feel like, you know, Anna Jay is back here to fix the Dark Order. Maybe she'll become the new leader of the Dark Order. Because everybody keeps thinking it's going to be Bray Wyatt, including myself. I keep thinking it's going to be Bray Wyatt. Like, in a way, like, I think it's going to be, like, to honor Brody. That's just what I think they're going to do. Because eventually Bray, I mean, he won't be Bray Wyatt, but whatever his name will be in AEW. I feel like he is coming to AEW pretty soon. His uh, 90-day no uh compete uh, clause ends next month, so maybe he'll show up next month. You know, maybe around Halloween time he'll show up. We'll see. It could definitely happen. It seems like he's going to go there. If not, he'll go to Impact Wrestling. 
So, you know, we haven't seen Buddy Murphy there yet or Braun Strowman, you know, whatever their names would be in Impact because that's where they're most likely going. But it would be nice to see Bray go there. It would be very nice go to AEW and take over the Dark Order, but we'll see. But I believe it's going to be Anna Jay at this point, which would be nice. Um, but the trios match, like I said, was good. You know, John Silver got most of the bumps in this match and most of the action in this match, and we really didn't see like a lot of action from Stu and uh, Evil Uno. It was more of like John Silver was, you know, taking a lot of the action. John Silver's good for his size. He's good in the ring, to be honest. He's very strong. Picked up Sean Spears and slammed him. And Sean Spears is much taller than him, of course, I'm just saying. But damn, like, the way he picked them up, he just slammed them right away. Didn't even hesitate, just picked up, slammed them. I was like, damn, like, he's, he's a strong little guy, John Silver. He really is. You know, he really impressed me with his match with Orange Cassidy back at Full Gear last year. That's where I really became, like, a John Silver fan. I was like, oh, he's actually pretty good in the ring right here. He's, he's, he's not bad. He's really not. He's, like I said, he's pretty strong as well. But yeah, I enjoyed this match right here. Like I said, he took most of the action. Because, you know, I think they're going to really build around John Silver for the future. Because he could be a future TNT champion. They could... And there's another thing right here. I know this is like, you know, it's it's reaching, but they could do it. Because even though I do believe if there was a member of the Dark Order that's going to win the TNT title the next time, it'll be 10 because he was handpicked, you know, by Brody Lee. So that... The great late Brody Lee. So that would make sense. But, you know, there's a, there's a scenario I could throw out right here. Maybe they do a whole David versus Goliath, like, with Miro and John Silver. And John Silver wins the TNT title. That would be nice. I wouldn't mind seeing that right there. It's kind of doubtful that they'll uh, do that. But it would, be, it would be nice, though. I'm not going to lie. It would be really nice. Um, so we'll see if they do that. I mean, it would be really nice. I don't think they're going to, though. But it would be really cool to see it. Um, but again, back to the trios match, you know, it was good. It was good, though, you know, especially seeing FTR and Sean Spears together. We haven't seen them wrestle in a trios match, I think, since, like, was it, like, March we saw them on Dynamite when they first debuted as the Pinnacle? So hopefully we see more of the Pinnacle on TV, and I believe we're going to, and I'll get to that in just a second. Because FTR and Sean Spears, they got the win. It was a fun, entertaining match, loved it. John Silver right there, you know, accidentally knocked down Evil Luna, which led to, you know, Sean Spears and FTR taking him out right there. And that was a nice Death Valley driver, C4 by Sean Spears on John Silver. So they got the win, then the Dark Horse started fighting in the ring with each other. They all started pushing each other and taking each other down. And then Anna Jay and Ty Conti came out, and that didn't really, that really didn't do much for them. But they, well, they did, they did stop fighting, but there's a lot of tension, friction here in the Dark Order. There's a whole lot right now, and hopefully Anna Jay could fix it. Or maybe it's going to be Hangman when he comes back, and he'll really fix them. I mean, I don't know. And the funny thing is, like, somebody I just saw on Twitter right now, like, a lot of people really think, um, like, because, um, because Full Gear is on November 13th. They had to move it because of UFC, because UFC is going to be on November 6th. That's when they were going to do Full Gear, so they had to move it for the next week. And the show... After Full Gear, obviously it's AEW Dynamite, but it's going to be in Hangman and Page's hometown of Virginia. So wouldn't that be a nice homecoming? Because Hangman could return pretty soon. So, and he's still going to be the guy to beat Kenny. A lot of people are going to, a lot of people are thinking that he's not, but he's going to be sooner than later. Just wait on it. 
We did see Tully Blanchard backstage talking with Tony Schiavone, and he mentioned something about, like, you know, leadership and Sting and Darby Allin, like how Sting is leeching off of Darby Allin, like, like Sting has done his whole career with other wrestlers. So I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. So next week, you know, like, uh, Sean Spears, excuse me, Tully Blanchard said to Tony Khan, book this next week, Sean Spears versus Darby Allin. I'm going to be there next week, so that's going to be really cool. And Tully Blanchard said to Sting, we're going to go at it one more time. I'm like, oh. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, they do a trios match, like CM Punk and Darby Allin Sting take on Tully Blanchard and FTR. I would be down for that. That's interesting. We'll see if they do that, though. But now to the next segment right here with uh, Tony Schiavone interviewing the Elite. So the Elite comes out. Adam Cole's not there just yet. But, you know, Donald Callis cut a really good promo. You know, talking about the Elite standing strong right now. You know, Kenny Omega beating Christian Cage and how the tag team titles were stolen from the Unbucks. I mean... The Lucha Bros didn't win in a cheating fashion. The Unbucks tried to cheat. It didn't work. Actually, well, I mean, well, they, well, it's a steel cage match, so obviously you could fight dirty, so. But the Lucha Bros didn't cheat at all, so they didn't win in a dirty fashion, so it's just kind of weird. Dear Don, say that, but Nick Jackson said, we got our best friend back. Here he is. We're the newest member of the Elite, Adam Cole. So Adam Cole makes his AEW Dynamite debut. Love his theme song, by the way. It's really cool. He gets in the ring, grabs the mic, goes right up to Tony Schiavone right away. Like I said, who wants to hear a story from Adam Cole, baby? And he goes right up to Tony Schiavone right away. And said, I know you're very close with Britt Baker, but if you even look at her the wrong way, I'll slap those stupid glasses right off your face and whip your ass. And he told him to get out of the ring, and Tony Schiavone got out of the ring. For those who don't know, Adam Cole and Britt Baker are dating. For those who don't know, so I just had to throw it out there. Some people may not know, and that's fine. I didn't know it first till like, late 2019, I believe. That's when I <clears throat> found that out, when Britt Baker was actually at a NXT TakeOver. And that was actually kind of interesting, not going to lie. But of course, she's going to be there to support her, support her boyfriend, so... <laughs> I'm sure Adam Cole will do the same thing. You know what I mean, come on, seriously? Like, Miro was there at WrestleMania to support, you know, Lana, so. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but, yeah, but Adam Cole saying that he's always been elite. You know, winning world championships all over the place the last 14 years. Being a main eventer and being a professional wrestler. And, see, I heard what WWE was going to do for Adam Cole. They were going to make him a manager. He was going to manage Keith Lee. And his name wasn't even going to be Adam Cole. So he wasn't even going to wrestle on the main roster. I'm like, oh my God, thank God he didn't resign. Because there are rumors of him possibly resigning and going to SmackDown, but thank God he did not do that. I think it all came down to his Twitch because the whole third party thing, because WWE wants their cut right there. They want to, you know, have part of it. But Adam Cole said no. And good. Good on him for saying no. He had a great run. In NXT, one of the greatest NXT world champions of all time, easily. Universally loved down there in NXT by everybody. All the fans loved him. I mean, how could you not? And he's just saying it feels good to be here in AEW. Like, he knows he's new. He's going to be wrestling next week. So that'll be interesting. 
He's always been elite. And then Kenny Omega, you know, he's he's about to start talking, saying he hates interruptions. And who interrupts him? Brian Danielson. Another interruption. Brian Danielson that makes his AEW Dynamite debut. He comes down to the ring. Kenny Omega tells the rest of the elite to you know to leave the ring. I got this. You know, me and Brian need to have a talk. You know, then Kenny starts talking. Then Brian Danielson takes the mic away from him and says he wants to ask the crowd a question. I want to ask you guys a question. Who wants to see me fight Kenny Omega? And then the whole crowd, of course, starts chanting yes. And then Kenny says, it doesn't work that way here. You know, of course, Brian Danielson has to work his way up the ranks. Of course, he hasn't wrestled yet. And I'm pretty sure he'll wrestle pretty soon. Um, he says, you're going to get your head kicked in, you know. Well, Ken- even before that, Kenny Omega was saying Brian Danielson's not on his level. But then Brian Danielson said to him, you're not on my level. And that really, you know, struck a chord there with Kenny. And Brian Danielson, you're the best wrestler ever, right? You're number one ranked. Because Kenny Omega's the number one ranked wrestler this year. So he's the best in the world right now. And Kenny tried to go after Brian Danielson. Then Brian Danielson took him down tried to put him in the lapel lock. The rest of the elite, you know, came in the ring and started attacking Brian. And then here came Christian Cage and Jurassic Express and Frank Kazarian. They came in. Fucking Luchasaurus threw Marco Stun the Yum Bucks. And then Jungle Boy flew on the Good Brothers. And then Daniel Bryan took out Brandon Cutler with a running knee. That was a really cool moment. That was really cool. Gotta enjoy it right there, you know. People, you love to see it right here. It's great. You know when Adam Cole's gonna wrestle next week. We'll see when Brian Danielson wrestles as well. It was great. Really enjoyed it. But now we get to the main event of the evening, and we'll get to what's coming up for Rampage tomorrow and what's coming up for Dynamite next week. We get to our main event. Cincinnati's own John Moxley taking on Minoru Suzuki, the New Japan Pro Wrestling legend. Wrestled over 33 years. He came out. crowd was popping for him. John Moxley obviously got the loudest reaction of the night. His hometown right there was awesome was awesome. And I gotta say, these two, you know, even though it was kind of like, you know, not a long main event, you know, it would've been nice if they went a, went a little bit longer. Obviously, this is on pay-per-view. They would've went a whole lot longer, but it was more of a, you know, Japanese-style, like, wrestling match. You know, they were showing, like, a lot of respect towards each other. Like, they weren't really, like, attacking each other like crazy. Like, they were respecting each other's moves. And I enjoyed it, though. And Suzuki... 53 years old, put on a great match. He really did. Just the way, you know, he was... He kept on fighting Mox right there. He wasn't going down. He wasn't going down at all. Mox had to really dig down deep to beat Suzuki. It wasn't easy. It was hard against Kojima. And it was especially hard against Suzuki. And the fact this match was on free TV was just awesome. It was awesome too. It was also my first time getting to see Suzuki wrestle. So that was more of a treat. Got to see Kojima wrestle for the first time on Sunday. And got to see Suzuki wrestle for the first time last night. So that was even... That, that was cool. Getting to experience that. It really was. And I was really impressed by the match between Mox and Suzuki. I really was. I was very impressed. You know, it was a, pretty much like a back and forth, you know, ass kicking type of match. That's what it was. You know, even when Mox, like, took down Suzuki for just a second, Suzuki was bleeding. Suzuki just kept on fighting. His right eye was bleeding, just kept on fighting. Taking clotheslines, he wasn't going down. 
Suzuki almost got him. He almost got Moxley. But Moxley finally took advantage again. Nailed him with a paradigm shift. Got the pin one, two, three. And Cincinnati's own John Moxley gets the W in the main event. A great main event. It was great to see Suzuki. Hopefully it's not the last we've seen of Suzuki here in AEW. Hopefully we see him maybe at least a couple more times. It would be very nice. But him and Mox put on, you know, a great main event. I really enjoyed it. And then Moxley, you know, ended the show by going to the crowd and celebrating with his people in Cincinnati. And I thought maybe he was going to get attacked in the crowd. But no, it was just a nice, you know, you know, heart, you know, felt like moment right there in his hometown. The crowd going nuts. You could tell Moxley's genuinely happy. And as he should be. Just this whole feud with Japan he's had here in 2021 has been awesome. It's been awesome. And I love it. Hopefully he regains the uh, United States um, championship out there from, in Japan. Hopefully. Very nice. But now we look to a rampage for tomorrow. We're finally getting Pac versus Andrade El Idolo. Can't wait to see that. We got a trios women's match right here between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the AEW Women's World Champion, Rebel and Jamie Hayter versus Ruby Soho, Riho, and Chris Statlander. And we also got Brian Pillman Jr. versus Max Caster. Because Brian Pillman Jr. actually made a challenge to MJF for the Arthur Ashe Stadium, the Grand Slam show. MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. But then, yeah, so we did see they claimed, you know, make their dynamite return. You know, in the, in the trainer's room, and Max Caster challenged Brian Pillman Jr. to a match. Or he. Asked Tony Khan for the match. Tony Khan said yes. So there you go. So that'll be interesting. And now for Dynamite next week, we got Adam Cole, baby, in his first AEW match against Frankie Kazarian. That'll be interesting. We got Jade Cargo versus legit Layla Hurst. That's a homecoming for Layla Hurst right there because she's from Jersey. She lived in Jersey most of her life. And we also got Darby Allen versus Sean Spears. I'm sure there'll be a couple more matches that'll be announced, a couple segments, of course, obviously, as well. It's going to be great to go to my first ever AEW event next Wednesday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for um, Rampage tomorrow. We'll see if they announce anything more for Dynamite, you know, for um, for next week uh, tomorrow. We'll see if they do or if they announce anything else for Rampage for the Rampage next week. We'll see. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. I can't wait. I'm really psyched I'm going to get to see Darby Allen live. That's who I really want to see live right there. I'm just going to go nuts during his entrance. I can't wait. But all right, guys. I hope you guys enjoy this episode right here. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night. I will talk to you guys uh, tomorrow afternoon. around the same time. Reviewing uh, my Dallas Cowboys versus the Tampa Buccaneers. Like I said, after every Dallas Cowboys game, I'm going to review the game for you guys and give you my thoughts. You know, on the game. We're three hours away from football season, guys. I can't wait. And, of course, next week I'll definitely make my week two predictions. I'll most likely do that on Tuesday, of course. Definitely got to do those predictions right there, so that'll be nice to do. We'll see how this week goes here in football. Hopefully my Cowboys are of the season strong tonight. But I'll talk to you guys tomorrow, talk about my Cowboys, and, of course, talk to you guys on Saturday reviewing Rampage. It's going to be a fun weekend, guys, doing these episodes, and hopefully I'll be in a good mood tomorrow with my Dallas Cowboys. I won't be all, like... They're going to win the Super Bowl type of Dallas Cowboys fan, but I'll be very happy if they win, though. But all right, guys. Hope you guys, again, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow afternoon. Thank you, guys. Talk to you tomorrow.